Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. excited to get into God's Word. If you are, if you have your Bibles, go to uh, 2 Chronicles. We're going to be Old Testament. Any, anybody ever think that the Old Testament would make like a really good HBO series? Right? Am I the only one? I saw the one, like they did like a Bible one on ABC, but I was like, yo, that's too G-rated. The, the Old Testament is like, it's like Game of Thrones on steroids. <laughs> like legit. It's like HBO is the greatest place to, you know, have a godly show, right? Like, be amazing. All right, so a little backstory uh, of what's happening here. Solomon is now the king of Israel. Solomon is the son of David and Bathsheba. God calls me king. And one of the things he wants to do as king is to create a place, a, a temple that God can dwell in. A place where he can feel like, man, this is, this is suitable to house the God that we serve. And so he's passionate about it. He has big dreams about it. And we get to the place now where he has finished the temple and now him and God have a conversation. And this is what the conversation says. And it's beautiful because what you're gonna see is God gives Solomon the blueprint to what an effective prayer looks like. And it goes like this. So it says this in verse 11. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord, and the royal palace and has succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and I've chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens so there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Look what he says. Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. I don't know about you, but if God gave me a blueprint for have, to have his eyes open to me, his ears open to what I have to say, I'm gonna do it. Because I want my God to be involved in my marriage, with my family, in the ministry, wherever I'm at. I wanna make sure I'm living a life worthy that God can say, my eyes are on you, my ears are on you, and I wanna bless you tremendously. And I love that he makes it so simple. And I wanna break this down. So if you're taking notes, the title of my message is, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Why doesn't God answer my prayers? And I know I'm not the only one in this room that's ever wrestled with that feeling like God has abandoned us. And I wanna break that down today and really come to a conclusion of what it means when we don't really hear from God, when we feel like he's, he's giving us the silent treatment and really understand that, that he's actually there. And so we're gonna break that down. So let's pray and ask God to bless our time together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. Just thank you for your church. Thank you that we get to gather together in this place and we never take it for granted. Pray for anybody here for the first time that God, more than a man with a microphone, they would hear you. They would hear you specifically of what they need to hear from you, Jesus. That Holy Spirit, you would speak to every situation, every circumstance, every struggle, every praise. God, that you would be here. God, I believe that your presence is here. 
from the moment we started worship, I believe you are here and I believe that you wanna do something powerful in this service. So I pray that we would have our ears open to hear from you, our hearts ready to receive. And God, I just wanna do a special prayer for the USA men's basketball team as they lost to the French and uh, God is not looking good. And so help them not to embarrass our country anymore. And uh, your name we pray, amen, amen. Yeah, after the 11 a.m., because I, I was looking at the scores, and they lost to the they lost to France. I didn't know French people play basketball. I didn't, didn't even know that it was possible. <laughs> they lost. It's crazy. Anyways, let's let's focus up here. Let's, we'll pray for them later. So you see, if a balloon has no helium or air, it's lifeless. It has no effect. Has no awe-inspiring. This is just a pointless piece of rubber, whatever it may be made out of. But the cool thing is, put helium air, does its job. It flies high, it goes to new heights. It's incredible. Now, whenever you've been to this local place we like to call Disney here in uh, Florida, what's the first thing you see when you walk in? There's balloons everywhere. It's like they want to take your money the moment you walk in, like you already haven't given them everything. So there's stands with balloons, Mickey ears and the Disney balloons and all the IG worthy pics that you can take. Like it's right there. And we want our balloons to have helium and air because we want it to have the effect that it's, it's floating. Now, in order for the vendor to be able to make the balloon sellable, to make it able to be for sale, what they have to do is they have to get the balloon and tie it down so it doesn't fly away. So they'll get the balloon, they tie it to something that will keep it on the ground. And as I was thinking about this illustration, I feel like it reminds me sometimes, and it can remind us of what it looks like in our own prayer lives to be tied down. I think a lot of times when it comes to prayer, we want to fly high. We want to experience that powerful prayer that we hear other people have, right? Like I prayed and I got healed. I prayed and God gave me peace. I prayed in my family, like miracle after miracle. We want that. Right? We want to have that. The power of prayer is incredible, and everybody wants to experience a powerful prayer moment. But I think if we could be honest, a lot of us are tied down. Now, what can be tying us down when it comes to prayer? I think what ties us down mostly is something called misunderstanding. I think it's misunderstanding, and I think when it comes to wrestling with this question, you know, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Like, is he ignoring me? Is he, is he, is he mad at me? Like, why am I on silent? Like, what's going on? I think a lot of us, we, we believe that God not answering our prayers equates to God not caring about my life. So we attach the two things of, well, if God's not answering me, then he must not care about me. If God's not answering me, then he must not, not, not be involved in my life. He must not want to be involved in my life. If God's not answering me, then I must have done something wrong. If he's not answering me, then he doesn't love me. Because every time I come on a Sunday or a Friday night at youth, they'll, they'll talk about God's love. But I feel like, I, I don't know if it's for me. Because I've been asking for healing. I've been asking for help. I've been asking for a new job. I've been asking for name, fill in the blanks. But yet I feel like God has abandoned me. Anybody ever felt like that? It happens to us. We feel like we're saying stuff to God, but nothing's being said back to us. So what happens in our most dire times of need, we feel like, well, I guess this whole Christianity thing was a fluke. I guess it isn't what I thought it was going to be. And so we walk around our lives, whether it's our workplace, whether it's our home, whether it's spending time with the kids, whether it's grabbing coffee with a friend, and we feel angry. We feel lonely. We feel hurt. And it's hard to enjoy the moments we want to be in 
because the, in the back of our mind, there's something that's stressing out that we thought God was going to get us through, and he hasn't. And so now we are in just silence, and the silence is deafening. It's almost as silent as this room right now, where you don't hear anything, and you're like, well, what, what, what is God doing? Now, if we're going to answer the question, why doesn't God answer our prayers, we first have to debunk this theory that God is ignoring you, that he's mad at you, that he hates you, all that stuff. Because if we're going to go any further in this message, we got to say that from the get-go. That it's a lie that God doesn't hear you, that he's ignoring you, that he doesn't love you. As a matter of fact, he, he cares about you a great deal. He loves you so much, he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And so when you think that he's ignoring you, when you think he doesn't love you, look to the cross and remember what he did for you. Sometimes we gotta, we gotta change our perspective because look what it says in Hebrews 4, 15 to 16. It says, we, the high priest, high priest is another phrase for Jesus. Uh, the high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So look what it tells us. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God and there we will receive his mercy. We will find his grace to help us when we need it the most. God cares about your situations. He cares about what you're going through, no matter how difficult it may feel or seem or how abandoned you may feel. Listen to me. He cares about you and you can find mercy and grace if you come boldly to the throne and stop believing the lie that is ignoring you. Changes everything. When we stop believing that actually God doesn't ignore me, I can, I have the right as a believer to come into God's presence and receive mercy and grace. Receive mercy and grace. The thing is, I think a lot of us, we still struggle. Okay, Phil, that sounds good. That sounds nice. But I still feel alone. Well, well, here's the thing. I think there's three reasons where it's actually not God answering you, but it's other reasons that maybe we just don't know yet. That's why we feel ignored and we feel alone. And, and I really hope that when I say these things, they'll be freeing to you. That you could put it to rest that God is not ignoring you. That God is not mad at me. This is actually what's happening behind the scenes. And the first reason is this. That it's not that God didn't answer your prayer. It's that you didn't get the response you wanted. Oh, he answered. He answered. It's that you're praying three weeks after hoping you get a different answer. So he, he, he does answer, or he did answer. Second reason, God will answer on his perfect timing, just wait. He will answer. I think a lot of us have to understand, like literally in our text, Solomon prayed that prayer that God heard in 1 Kings 8, which is years before this temple was built. So years, so years go by, Solomon prays a prayer, years go by, and here we are, God heard the prayer, and now has seen the temple and said, this is the place where I want to be. Years later, Solomon had to wait for God's response. God's going to answer, just wait. He knows more, his ways are more perfect than ours, his, his, his ways are higher than ours. Allow him to do what he knows what's best for you in his timing, and just have confidence that your answer will come, and he's not going to abandon you. Third reason, we need to examine our lives for unconfessed sin, pride, or selfish desires. He won't answer until. Until what? Until we repent of that sin, we remove the selfish desire, and we remove the pride that holds us back from receiving the help of God. So let's, let's, let's ask the question, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Well, it's either three things. He did, he will, or he hasn't yet. He, he did, 
he will or he hasn't yet. It's never that he won't or he hates you or he's going to ignore you. So you can go tonight or wherever you're going to pray or wherever your prayer spot is and you can walk boldly into the throne and say, God, I know you're for me. I know you're with me. I know you're listening to me right now. I'm not going to doubt anymore. I'm not going to criticize anymore. I'm not going to blame you anymore. I'm going to believe that when I pray to you, you're listening to me. And if I have to wait, I'll wait. And if you answered, remind me again. And if I need something to get checked out, point it out so I can remove it because I want to hear from you. So it's not that he never answers. Now, how do we get to this conclusion? It doesn't happen in a vacuum. Like what happens is a lot of us, either we're taught this in church or we're taught it by a, a, a back in the day or something. Maybe we read it and we misinterpreted it. But a lot of us, if we can be honest, when it comes to asking, does God answer? Why doesn't he answer our prayers? We set ourselves up for false expectations. Like we set ourselves up to be disappointed by God, even though God's like, I think you read the verse wrong, or I think there's miscommunication here. Like, like I'll give you an example. Look at Matthew 7, 7. It says this, ask and it will be given to you. Okay, it's pretty straightforward. All I have to do is ask and it's gonna be given to me. So why don't I just ask God? And if I don't get it, it's not from God. Well, hold on now, let's, let's wait. Because he wants to give you the right thing, not the wrong thing. Look what it says, John 14, 14. This is my favorite one. You may, ask, you may ask me for anything, anything in my name, and I'll do it. So what do we do? We ask for something that may be sinful, but we add Jesus' name, and we're like, okay, I'm good. It's like, okay, God, you've been dating this girl or guy. We'll, we'll do both scenarios here. And you're not married, but you're praying that God will provide an apartment for you guys to live together in Jesus' name. <laughs> or I was like, God, money's tight. I need help. I'm gonna get these scratch offs real quick. If you could just make me win one, in Jesus' name. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, hey, that's how it works. <laughs> I think there's, there's some misinterpretation. I think we, we read it the wrong way. Maybe the translation, I don't, we gotta figure it out because that's not how it works. And what happens is though we laugh, those selfish desires start to creep in and prayer no longer becomes about community with God. It becomes a wish list that we hope we get answered, right? Like it's like, okay, asking will be given. Oh, well, God, I got a bunch of things to ask for. And what happens is, listen to me, a lot of us will walk in our own will thinking it's answered prayer. We'll be doing whatever we think God told us to just because we prayed about it, but because God is not telling us, he's not going to honor something that's going to lead us to more sin or in the direction that he doesn't, that he has for you opposite of it. It's like, hey, God wants you to go this way, has this plan for you, and you're praying to go opposite. It's not going to work like that, but because we don't have a, because we can't see it or there's some pride in us or there's a selfish desires, guess what? We're going to think it's answered prayer and we're going to keep going down that path and realizing that it's not God that got us to this place. It was our own fault. Look what it says in James 4, 3. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Listen to me. Jesus didn't die on the cross so you can get your pleasures. He wants you to have joy. He wants you to have happiness. Oh my gosh, he wants to bless you tremendously because we serve a great savior like Jesus. But listen to me, that's not what prayer's ever been about. And if we get prayer wrong, we're in trouble because if we have 
if we have the wrong prayer, then we're going to have the wrong Christian life. Because here's what happens. The moment we start getting that selfish desire, the moment we start getting that, that I want, I want, I want, it changes the very dynamic of what a relationship with Jesus is supposed to look like. Because it's not about what God can do for me. It's what I can do for God. Because when I asked him to save me, he now gave me a purpose. And now I have, I have a mission to do here on earth. It's not, okay, God saved me. He, he removed my sins. Now God, uh, can you hook me up with some more stuff? No, it's, it's prayer in a nutshell is this. The purpose of it is not to get man's will done in heaven, but it's to get God's will done on earth. As prayer. Now, will he bless you? Yes. Can you ask for things? Yes. Will you maybe not receive those things? For sure. But, but things, things, this is not saying don't ask God for things. This is saying, hey, when you pray, yes, have communication. I don't want to make God, I don't want to make prayer sound complicated because it's not. But it's not a negotiation. It's communication in the most purest form. And it's, hey, God, I thank you. I love you. You're incredible. Search me, God. Is there anything I need to be, that I need to remove from my life? Like, don't, I just, I just want to come to God and just ask him for a million things. Not that it's wrong, but let's, let's remember who we're talking to and what he did for us. And so it's not about what God can do for us. It's what can we do for him? And this is why I love second Chronicles because a lot of times we can feel like prayer can be complicated. We feel like things in the Bible can be complicated, but here God tells Solomon, Hey, when bad things start to happen, when I send locusts, when I send a storm and a drought, when I do things to, to wake you guys up, if you do these things, I will listen to you, I will see you, and I will bless you. And so he says a couple of things, and here's the thing. The, the Solomon was able to build a temple so God can dwell in that temple. Now, for New Testament believers, are we called to build little temples in our houses and little rock forts and this and that? No, no, here's the thing. The moment Jesus died on that cross and rose from the grave, you became the temple. And now Jesus is in you. He, like, there's no more building temples. We are the temple. Look what it says in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. It says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you at, with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. You're the temple now. Now in our relationship with Jesus, we don't build. I mean, we, we build the church. We, we have our, our, our prayer, like our quiet time area. Like we build, we want to make sure we set ourselves up to have good prayer time. But in reality, the Holy Spirit's in us and wherever we go, he's there. The question is, if you're, is your life right now a temple worthy? Not worthy because we're all worthy. We're all righteous in Jesus. But is your life right now a temple where the Holy Spirit can be active. Like, like where you can feel like in, in, in your life right now, I feel like the Spirit's speaking to me. I feel like there's fruit in my life, meaning there's results. Like there's actual change. Or do you feel like, you know what? I feel like, man, there's some things I need to work on. I feel like I haven't heard from God. And maybe I need to work on some things and, and, and make sure that me being the temple that God called me to be is setting up a, a, a place within me where God can speak to me. And so is your life right now a temple where God can be active? And here's the thing. Here, here's what, what God told Solomon. I want us to literally break this down and make it super simple for us. So that when we pray, we don't ever have to second guess if God's listening or if he's not going to answer. Now that we got that out of the way, now I want us to have an effective prayer life. 
where it's not just, God, thank you for this, you know, these cheese and carrots, like, oh my God, amazing. Like, no, pray for your food, that's great, but let's go deeper in our prayer life. Let's be more consistent in our prayer life. And let's really go in a depth with our prayer life that we seriously and we actively see Jesus move in a powerful way. So the first thing he says this is, if my people who are called by my name, so called by my name, what does that mean? That means literally if you were somebody who was, was not a believer, you were living in sin, but one day made a decision, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I want to be forgiven of my sins, I want to have a brand new beginning. I want to have a fresh start. Jesus, come into my life, save me. And so Jesus now, it's probably Jesus calling right now. And so Jesus, Jesus, <laughs> sorry, I had to. Was, I had to, I had to. It's too good. Uh, it's from a movie I saw back in the day. I was like, finally get to say this quote. <laughs> Listen, when somebody's preaching, there's like a million things going on in my mind right now. It's like hard to like, it's like, shh, quiet, I have to preach. So, what happens is when you invite Jesus into your heart, you now are adopted into his family. And so, so technically you are called by his name. You are now a believer. You're a child of God. Look what it says in Romans 8, 14, 15. For those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you would live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption. To son, like, adopt, like you are adopted. God chose you to be a part of the family. Romans 5, 1, 2, 2. Therefore, uh, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now gained access, access by faith. And so, dear brothers and sisters, Hebrews 10, 19, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Your adoption through Jesus gives you access to God. So, so you give your life to Jesus because Jesus is the way. No one else can get to the Father except through Jesus. You give your life to Jesus. Now you are, you are adopted into God's family. Now you could talk to him. You could speak with him. And he's listening, ready to talk back. But a lot of us, because of life, forget that we're even child of God. This life, this life is hard. And it's hard. Like Even now, as I think about it, I'm like, when was the last time I reminded myself I'm a child of God? Like, it's not just a kid's ministry thing, right? Like, you're like, child of God, like, oh, it's so cute. It's like, no, I'm, like, I'm in God's family and he cares about me. And even when my family down here on earth is going through a mess and I start to compare my family with the heavens, like with heaven's family and we start, no, no. I know that, that even though family can be crazy here, it's not a representation of God's family because God's family is perfect. And I realize there's people in this room right now that family, just that word hurts you. Like the moment I said family, you're like, mm. I don't have that. Don't know my dad. Mom is not in my life. Brothers and sisters don't want to talk to me. Don't really have a family. Thanksgiving's usually just me, my dog, and somebody else, or it's just my life. And we compare that family to, well, why would I join, or why would I want to be adopted by God if, if family like that is going to be like the family I have here, or lack of family? But the thing is, when we come and talk about God, we have to understand God is not like humans. Humans fail. Humans mess up. Humans will backstab you. Humans will mess up even, even if they're the greatest human being that you know. Never be perfect. But when we compare it to God, we do a disservice to the power of God. God does not fail you, will not fail you. He won't abandon you. You could try running. He'll go after you even. 
He's not like your dad. He's not like, he's not like your family here. It's the greatest thing that you could do being invited, being adopted into the family of God. Don't, remember, don't forget that you're a child of God. If you're here today and you haven't been adopted into the family of God, it's not a cult saying. It's, not, it's the most beautiful thing that you can know that for all your days in good and bad, you have the Savior of the world on your side every single day. So those who are called by my name. Second thing he says is this, will humble themselves. So if you're called by my name and you humble yourself, second part, I believe this, that humility is a combination of two things. A honest self-appraisal and a good God appraisal. Meaning a lot of us struggle with being humble because we don't, self, we don't do a lot of self-reflection or we don't do a lot of self-assessment in our lives. And because we don't check ourselves and we don't, we don't look within ourselves and say, man, how am I doing? Like, how am I acting in my workplace? How am I acting with my mom, with my dad? How am I acting with my wife, my husband? Like, like do I need, to, I, need to, I need to do some self-appraisal and make sure that I'm living a humble life? So here's the thing. If you have a struggle with the first one, don't worry. The second one will get you. Because a good God appraisal will humble all of us. Because God wants to stay humble. Humility is a beautiful thing. Something we should always strive for. That you would realize you're not as strong as you think. You're not as cool as you think. You're not as gifted as you think. That all that stuff can be taken away in a flash. That God gave that to you. Not for your glory, but for his glory. But you get the blessing of it here on earth. It's beautiful. But we have to humble ourselves and say, man, you know what? I'm trying to do everything on my own strength. I'm trying to fight the stress. I'm trying to, I'm trying to solve all of the world's questions. When all I should be doing is saying, you know what? I need to be humble. I need to go to God and let him talk to me and solve this problem with me. Because the truth is, the more prideful we are, the less we pray. It's the less we pray. And what prayer does, prayer is an act of humility. What prayer does is the fact that the moment you pray, you're being humble. Because you're giving up saying, you know what, before I pray, let me try to do everything by myself instead of saying, no, no, it's like, no, that's not how it works. So when you pray, you're saying, God, I'm not going to go to other people first. I'm not going to try to solve it. I'm going to go to you and, and get in a posture where, I can, where you can help me and hear me in a way that is good. So, so prayer is, is not just something we do before we eat like we talked about before. It's not something you just do casually, man. Like, like personal prayer, you need it to stay humble. Because the Bible tells us that God opposes the proud but gives favor to the, to the humble. And I don't think we realize how amazing it would be to get the favor of God in our life. I don't know if you've experienced favor of God over your life. Where people you don't even like do stuff for you. Yeah, yeah. People that don't even like you, that curse you, God will, because he's shown you favor, will use those very same people to bless you. That's favor. Favor, it, it draws men unto thee. That it, 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 it just, it, there's nothing like it. But when we're, pri- when we're proud, no, we can't. Because God opposes that. God said, that's not, that's not, my, that's not what I want. Because pride is literally the root of all sin. Just thinking you could do everything. You could be your own person, think your own ways, and figure it all out yourself. But humility is saying, no, no, I, I need you, God. Because what John 15, 5 says, that apart from you, I can do nothing. You're the vine, we're the branches. And so I humble myself to be in a posture to hear from you. So those who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. When you pray, what are you seeking? Genuinely, what do you seek? Like what's your objective when you pray? What's the goal? What, what, are, you, what are you trying to get out of it? 
not trying to make you feel bad. It's just something I'm asking myself every time before I even open my mouth. What am I seeking right now? What, what am I about to say? Let me rethink it. Because I want to step into the presence of God and make sure that I'm, I'm in the right place. Not that you can't be in the wrong place because God hears our brokenness. He asks us to, he asks us to, to, to cast our cares to him. He tells us, like, when you're broken, do it. I think this is more like, man, I just want to make sure that I'm in the right place mentally, spiritually. My heart is, I'm doing this for the right reason because I love God and I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to hurt him and I don't want to abuse him and I don't, want to, I don't want to do the wrong thing with him because he's done so much for me. So what do you seek when you pray? I really think that a lot of us, before we pray, we, we pull out our wish list and we just, God, I need this done, need this done. Man, my, my, this is happening. My life is crazy over here, all that stuff. And I'm not saying this is bad, but I'm, I'm saying, what if we change our approach when we pray and that we first thanked him, worshiped him, honored him, lifted up his name, gave him glory, and we just seeked him. And just, God, I don't even ask, before I ask for anything, God, I just want to be with you. Before I ask for anything, Jesus, I just want to be in your presence and get used to the silence, not as a bad thing, but a beautiful thing. A lot of us were so used to silence being a horrible, horrible like thing. But silence is amazing because in those silence moments where you're, the Holy Spirit puts impressions on you, does things, and you read Scripture in a new way. Look what it says in Matthew six thirty three says, "But first, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well." What are all these things? Well, in this text right here, Jesus is talking to a group of people, and these group of people are telling Jesus, "Jesus, what are we going to do? What are we, we going to eat? Where are we going to get clothes? What about the future? What's going to happen?" And Jesus is like, "Yo, chill, because if I take care of the birds, and you're more important than the birds, am I not going to take care of you? Right? Like, I'm going to everything's going to be okay." So he says, seek first the kingdom. And guess what? All the stuff that you need, the clothes, the future, all that stuff, I'm going to give it to you as well. It's not like, hey, let's, let's just get as much as we can from God. Let's, let's seek him first. What do you, what's your best you want from me, God? Before I even ask for something that I, that it might not even be your best. Let me just, let me just be with you and, and, and just ask, what do you want, God? God, I want to be in your presence. Speak to me. Put some worship music on if you have to so you don't get distracted. And then, guess what? The promise is all these things will be given to you. So if you need healing, seek him first because your healing is coming. If you need provision, seek him first. The provision is coming. It's part of it. It's not seek first and maybe I'll think about it. No, it's, it's, it'll be given to you because guess what? He probably did answer, he will answer, and he hasn't yet. But he never ignores you. We're given to you as well. And finally, it says, turn from their wicked ways. So those who are called by my name, you're a believer, you've given your life to Jesus, you, you come humbly and, and you seek his face and, and now you turn from your wicked ways, then I will see you, I will hear you, and we'll have community together. And to me, this is the hardest one to do because I have to bring up a word that I think in church settings is is be considered a bad word. You see, what, what, what God is telling Solomon is that they need to turn, they need to repent. And repentance is a scary thing because repent, what does that mean? If like, is somebody gonna pray on my like, forehead for five hours and get these demons out of me? I don't know, like that's not what I'm about. No, it's not that. It's literally making a, a decision to say, I'm, I'm leaving 
the direction that displeases God and running towards the direction that pleases God. So I'm just turning this way. Bad, good, horrible, great, whatever. You're just turning. You're leaving and, and going towards something. Now, what does it mean turn from your wicked ways? Because the truth is we are sinners saved by grace. And thank God when God sees us, he sees righteousness, not, not, not sinners and, and nothing like that. But I think a lot of us, yes, we're saved by grace, but we use that grace to keep on sinning. And that's where it becomes a problem. Because God just can't reward you if you keep on sinning. Just like any good father would do. You don't do well in the classroom, I'm not going to take you to Toys R Us. Is Toys R Us even around? I don't even know. That's just where I went. <laughs> it's dead. It's gone. <laughs> but it just wouldn't make sense. And I think this can sound like a harsh concept, but I feel like to me, it's like, man, I, I don't want to have a God that just rewards me for ruining my life. I want him to love me in a way that tells me, hey, you're not living the right way and I know you're praying and I hear you, but I just can't right now. That answer is gonna have to wait until you, you, get that, you get that fixed. And what I mean is like, not sinning where we're, where we're imperfect because we're all imperfect, we're all gonna make mistakes, right? Like that's just, like just gonna happen. And God sees that and God, for, we've been forgiven. Listen, we are forgiven. No, I'm not taking away from God's forgiveness. What I'm saying is if we consciously and don't confess the sin that we keep on doing, then it's a problem. Like we know we're sinning. Like we know we're doing something we're not supposed to be doing, whether it's drugs, whether it's sex, whether it's relationships, whatever it is, we know it's wrong, but we keep asking God for things and we get mad at him and we go deeper and deeper and darker into a place that we were never meant to be. It's not his fault, it's that we just need to turn. And God's not ignoring us because he hates us. He's like, I just don't wanna see you ruin your life anymore. Just turn. Just come back to me. Just, just come back home and watch what happens. I don't know if you've ever seen this movie. It's called The Blind Side. It's with Sandra Bullock. It's a really good movie. Um, and, you know, she got nominated for an Oscar, like went off to win a bunch of awards. It's a great movie. It's an incredible true story. This family from Mississippi, the Tui family, white family, they, 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 Adopt and they, t they literally give a brand new life to this black young man, had nothing, homeless, had, had nothing going for him. Changed his life, literally got him into a school, so he got an education, he had a natural gift to play football, ended up being the one of a first round draft pick for the Baltimore Ravens, had an incredible, incredible all pro season, like, like a m many seasons. And all, it, all that happened was a family decided to open up their car and bring him inside and change his life. There was a fundraiser where Sean Tui, the husband, was speaking at. And he talks about the story, how it changed their lives. It changed Michael's life. It was, it was incredible. And he says that that story wouldn't have been possible unless the wife said two words. And here's what the two words were, and I'll explain it. He says in the fundraiser, he said, we were driving our normal drive that we picked up our kids from school, about their, their biological kids. We picked them up from school, went home. It was a, a cold November day, uh, night. And on their way home, they see this young man and it's freezing outside. He has no clothes. He has, no, I mean, he has no jackets. He, he has a raggedy shirt, raggedy shorts. It's, looks like he's shivering. Looks like he's, he's, he's going through it. And they drive past him and Sean looks at his wife and he's like, are you Okay. 
She's just thinking and thinking. And she looks at Sean and she goes, turn around. She goes, turn around. Turn the car around. They turn the car around. They open their door. They invite Michael in. Years later, they adopt him and his life has changed. Two words change one man's life. Two words can change your life right now. Two words. Turn around. Tired? Just turn around. Hurting? Just turn around. Like, it's not, I promise you, it's not, it's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt. Remember the prodigal son ruined his whole life, turned around and what was waiting for him, a party, a celebration, royalty, his father's love and embrace. Same thing for us. Just turn around. When you feel like you're going, you're like, you're just going and you're like, man, I need to, I need to just turn around. I'm going back into temptation. I'm, I'm, I'm texting these people that I told myself I wouldn't start texting and I, I just turn around. And every time you turn around, you could turn around as many times as you want. But if you keep on doing it, guess what? God's still going to be there. Even if you, This week, you could turn around 15 times. Guess what? It's not going to change God's love for you. But what will change is if you don't turn around and you keep on going down that path, you will see a change in relationship. And remember, it will not be God. It'll be you. So today, do we need to turn around? Why not? Why, why wait for next week? Why wait for next month? Why don't we, why don't we make that decision today? You've, you've been far from, you, you, you're saved. Like you believe in Jesus, but you know that you've, you're, you're far. Yeah, you're, you, you've, gone, you've, you've gone some ways. Today, all you gotta do is turn around. That's it. And you could step back into serving. You could step back into community. You could step back into freedom. I just felt it during worship, man. Like, like somebody in here is, you are bound by something. Like, I just felt it, felt like somebody, I felt like someone was in a prison. And I just wanted to tell you, and it, maybe this is for one person, but I don't care. Like, freedom, you can be free today. Like, you can be free. Like, I love, what I love about God is that even if you, like, you could pray and you're all over the place, like, he hears it because you're coming with, with the right heart. And you're just saying, like, God, I just, I, I'm tired. I'm, I want to feel the embrace I once did when I raised my hand on a Sunday, when I was in Connect Group, when I was serving you, when I, was, when I felt like my marriage was going in the right direction, when I felt like my kids, and we, we were finally talking, and it's been years. Like, I want to get back to that. You can. Here's the thing. When you're saved, when you feel like you're back in a prison, the doors never close. It always stays open. We just put ourselves back in that prison. But it's always open and you can always take a step to come out. So why not today? Why don't we stand up to our feet? Just a moment. I feel like the presence of God is speaking. Yeah, you're just in this place. You just need to turn around. I just want to give us that opportunity. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you out, but I, I wanna see who I'm praying for. And we could bow our heads and close our eyes and just for a moment of privacy, 
You're saying, Phil, that's me. I need to turn around. I've been messing up. I've lost my way. I don't know how to come back. All you gotta do is turn around. If that's you today, why don't you lift up your hand? Come on, don't be shy. Don't, don't, don't hold it in. There's nothing wrong. This is a beautiful moment here. It's a beautiful moment here. Did you see every single hand that is raised? God, these are people that are saying, I'm, I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, worshiping you with all my heart, the good, the bad, the ugly. I don't care. Like, God, I know you don't judge me. I know you don't hate me. I know you, I know you want to talk to me. And so I'm coming back, coming back to you. And if you have your hand lifted, make this your moment that you remember that you, you're recommitting yourself back to Jesus. So whenever you feel yourself drifting, whenever you feel yourself going out of, out of your way again, remember this day, write it in your calendar, write it wherever, as this day, as a day, you, you gave your life back to Jesus. You stole your life back from the devil and put it right in the back of Jesus. Like, like you are going to be different. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you're in this place, you don't even know Jesus at all. You don't have a relationship with him. You're far from him. And sin is, is hurting you. I want to give you an opportunity in this place to be a part of the family of God, to be called by his name. In a room like this, I don't know, maybe everybody's saved, maybe not, I don't know. But, but I want to give you an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, here, here's, here's the beautiful story about Jesus and, and us. It's that God... He loves us. He cares about us. He's a good God, but he can't be with sin. He just can't. Sin literally separates us from God. And it doesn't matter how good of a person you are. It doesn't matter how, many, how much money you give to charity. Like, that sin will always be there. And the only thing that can get rid of that sin is if you give your life to Jesus because Jesus paid for your sin on the cross. See, Jesus, his whole mission was he came from heaven, came down to earth, was born as a baby, grew up to be a man, and his mission was to die on a cross for us. Jesus was God in human form. He was perfect. He didn't make mistakes. Yet he gave up his life. He, he got arrested. He gave himself up to be arrested. He gave himself up to be mocked. He gave himself up to be tortured. He gave himself up to be beaten up, humiliated. And he gave himself up to be put on that cross. Listen to me. When Jesus was on that cross, he was thinking about you. He's thinking about you. He knew you already. He knew you. And because he knew you, he knew he had to take this, he had to take this route. Because he knew that you and I could not pay for our sins. So Jesus, he took that payment on, him, on himself. So Jesus, he dies on that cross, breathes his last breath gets put in a tomb for three days he's dead but on the third day we know he rose from the grave and he's alive today and he's speaking not ignoring you so here's what you got to do if you want to accept Jesus all you have to do is believe he did all the work you don't you, there's no more death ahead of you unless you give your life to Jesus Jesus is the bridge that gets us access to God. And it gives us a new name, 
a new purpose, a new beginning, and we are now children of God. If that's you, you want to give your life to Jesus, you want to have a brand new beginning, a brand new start, you want to know that your sins will be forgiven, that one day when you leave this earth, your first step is going to be in heaven where there is no more pain, there is no more suffering. But not only do we have heaven for eternity, but here on earth, you're going to have a brand new purpose and a brand new life. If you want that free gift and you want to have your lives forgiven, on the count of three, you lift up your hands and you accept Jesus for the first time. One, two, three, you lift up your hands. God bless you. 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 Amazing. You can put your hands down. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's the greatest decision you can ever make. And we're going to celebrate you in a moment. But here's what I want to do. I want to lead you in a prayer. And this prayer, it's not a magical prayer. But it's you now having access to God. And what you're going to do now, we're going to repeat after me. It's you telling Jesus that you're all in that you're done going the way the world has for you. You're, you're done going down the, the road of pain and death. You are now on the road to life and new beginnings. This is you talking to Jesus. So repeat after me, prayer uh, church, let's say this with our new family members. Let's, let's support them. Let's back them up as we say this. It goes like this. Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my savior, to be my God. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. From this day forward, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Jesus, I love you and I thank you. And everybody said, come on church, can we celebrate every single hand that went up? Amazing. Greatest decision. I, I really believe if I was to pass the mic around and ask somebody, hey, was raising your hand and giving your life to Jesus the best decision you've ever made, they'll probably tell you yes. Every single time. And maybe you're saying, well, I don't know what this life of Christianity looks like. It's okay. That's what we're here for. We want to help you on this journey. And so after service, right after here, we're going to, we're going to sing one more song of worship. Because I really believe we, we, need, we need to get some more worship in us. But right after service, we have amazing Dream Team members. Thank you, Andy. And we're going to, they're going to give you a Bible. And this Bible is awesome. It's a super easy to read Bible. It's got little footnotes. It's got little resources. If you get hung up on something, like we want to make sure that we make it super easy for you. And guess what? It's free. It's our gift from us to you. And there's no string to tell. Like we're not going to send you something in the mail. Like, hey, you owe us five bucks. Like, no, like it's free. Take it. It's yours. And so we just want to have it get in your hands. So after service, I know we're hungry. Before you go out to eat, get a Bible. And uh, it'll be the best gift that you get. Patriots, why don't we lift up our hands? And why don't we surrender? Come on, why don't we examine ourselves right here? Come on, God loves us so, so much. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. We have no fear to approach Him. We can approach Him as we are. Broken, healed, healthy, lost. However, today, if that's how you're feeling, come on, talk to God this afternoon. Come on, He knows your voice. He created your voice. And let's sing this out. 